and welcome to Primary Care Spotlight, the podcast that brings you all the latest news and insights from Cornwall Primary Care Training Hub. Cornwall Primary Care Training Hub is delivered in partnership with Kerner Health CIC, working on workforce development programmes across the Cornwall health and care system, and we are here to support all those working in primary care. Hello and welcome to Primary Care Spotlight. In this episode, I speak with pharmacist David Jenkins about the audit tool for dope prescribing in general practice. David is a fellow of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society and a member of the South Carrier Primary Care Network Pharmacy team. And the team were actually highly commended in the recent General Practice Awards for this work. And in October 2022, won a prestigious National Health Services Journal Patient Safety Award for their project on the audit tool for dope prescribing in general practice. So this episode is really all about that tool, um, why it was needed, why it was created, how it was created. um, And uh, David will explain all of that. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi there, welcome to the podcast. If you could just introduce yourself, sort of name, job, where you're based, all that sort of stuff. Hello, um, my name is David Jenkins. I'm a pharmacist working in the Helston area, South Carrier Primary Care Network, which is the Lizard Peninsula and includes the Isles of Scilly. So we have the most southerly and most westerly points in England. And my role really is to look at systems. I'm not a clinical pharmacist. But I look at systems within the practice and within the PCN and try and improve them if I can. You've been involved in quite an exciting piece of work, but what led you to developing the DOAC audit tool? Okay, so anticoagulants are recognised as some of the most high-risk drugs we use in primary care. They're a family of drugs which slow blood clotting, uh, which helps prevent strokes. So about 80% of patients on these drugs will be treated for a condition called atrial fibrillation, or AF, as it's abbreviated to. And the remaining 20% will either be treating or preventing a a deep vein thrombosis or pulmonary embolus. So the older anticoagulants, which um, people were familiar with for many years, were drugs like warfarin, very risky, very low therapeutic index, which means there wasn't a big range between the drug's doing you more harm than good. Um, and they also needed very frequent blood tests to check you were on the right dose. In about the last 10 years, there's been a new family of anticoagulants developed called the Direct Acting Oral Anticoagulants, abbreviated to DOACs. So NHS England uh, now use these first line. There are about a million patients on these, these DOACs in England mainly older people over 65s because they're the patient group that will generally develop atrial fibrillation. And it's quite difficult for clinicians to keep the dose correct. If the dose is too high, there's a risk of a serious bleed. If the dose is too low, then the risk of stroke increases because you're not getting the uh, degree of stroke prevention we'd like. NHS England's estimated figure is that about 15% of patients in England may be on the wrong dose. So obviously 15% of a million people is a lot of people. So working out the correct dose uh, that somebody should be on, we need a measure of kidney function that's called creatinine clearance. That has to be calculated for each patient and it'll change over time as renal function changes. But to make matters even more tricky, the GP clinical computer systems can calculate creatinine clearance. You have to sort of ask it to do that. 
uh, for each patient individually. But the calculations aren't quite in the form that we need without more fiddling. So it becomes very tricky to know where you are. So what our project essentially did is allow surgeries to find all of their patients on the right and more importantly on the wrong dose within a few minutes. So what is the doacardic tool exactly? Okay, so it's actually just an Excel spreadsheet with lots of fancy formulae in it. Um, And what the practice does is it runs a search of the patients on each drug, outputs some data from each patient record that we need to calculate this creatinine clearance, and also data that tells us why they're taking the drug. And then the user plonks all this information, cut and paste, into the DOAC audit tool spreadsheet, and it will, number one, calculate BMI and creatinine clearance in the correct form, but then a series of algorithms work out whether the patient is on the correct dose based on what they're prescribed. And on the one hand, it's only an Excel spreadsheet, but on the other hand, every single PC in a GP practice has Excel on it, and the people that we uh, expect to be using this audit tool, which are mainly pharmacists, pharmacy technicians and the like, are very familiar with using Excel. So it doesn't need a lot of training to use it. People can sort of intuitively use it very, very quickly. That's the um, the gist of it. There are two main clinical systems in use in primary care, um, EMIS and System 1, which between them have more than 90% share of the market, which means in England alone, there are over 8,000 practices that could use this audit tool very, very quickly. And in fact, we've made it available. There's a site called Future NHS, which you can go on to and download the audit tool. And in the case of EMIS, the searches you need to import and start using it right away. So what are some of the benefits of using the audit tool then? Well, the main benefits are obviously around patient safety. So if you're wanting to find a baseline or for an audit or how you're um, doing for subsequent data collections, instead of taking you know, literally hours to calculate all of the creatinine clearances individually or to check that you're using the right form of body weight, you can literally you know, have a look at how you are with all of your patients within five to 15 minutes so you can identify patients on the wrong dose and do something about it and you can also um, check for patients whose monitoring is overdue so there's we export the dates of their most recent serum creatinine blood test and also their weight which is another important part of the calculation and any either of those being over 12 months the date will turn red so you can very quickly identify that these patients um, need to come in and and have up-to-date monitoring performed on them so in terms of the benefits in one practice i work with in south carrier in 2019 when we first looked at this area and uh, ran our first data collection in the audit cycle, we found we had 29% of patients on the wrong dose. And now we are down to about 1% to 2% of patients on the wrong dose, which against that national average of 15% is, is quite a remarkable improvement. I have to emphasize it's not just the audit tool that's brought that about. We've got a lot of underlying uh, system changes in place. But certainly the fact that we can very, very quickly find out where we are and how we're doing 
has made it um you know enormously beneficial to our practice we rolled it out uh, to cornwall in september 2021 uh, and it's been widely used in cornwall by most practices and fairly recently it's become available as i said before nationally for anyone that wants to use it and i have had quite a lot of feedback from uh pharmacists in different areas that they're they're using it and finding it useful so how has it been developed then Right. Well, it was actually, I've been qualified 30 years uh, last year, and this is probably the most rewarding project I've ever been involved in. It was very exciting because from the very early stages, people could see the value that it, or its potential value very, very quickly. And we're lucky in Cornwall because we've got a very tight-knit group uh, of pharmacists across uh, GP practice community pharmacy, the hospitals, and, you know, we, we tend to know each other quite well. So I could get in touch with colleagues working for the uh, CCG, as it was then, and also in the hospital. And we had sort of brainstorming sessions. And then my own team in the, the PCN uh, fed into this a lot. And it, it developed gradually and slowly. And um, th- that collaboration was was hugely important. And I must give a special uh, mention to a colleague in the hospital, Liam Bastian, who was a very techie pharmacist who actually peer reviewed all of the algorithms in the spreadsheet, um, came up with many uh, suggestions and pointed out sort of tweaks that were needed. I would never have had the confidence to release it, uh, probably even locally, but certainly not nationally, without the reassurance of, of Liam's input. And I think we've touched on this a little bit, but how and where is the DOAC audit tool sort of accessible? Okay, so um, Future NHS is a a site for sharing innovations, as they call it, in um, health and social care. It's accessible, I believe, to anybody with an NHS email address. You have to register for it. And then within Future NHS, there are various... Um, sections and so this will be found in the medicines management improvement program under the anticoagulant safety program so people would need to to register with future nhs be accepted onto those those sections which is all a formality and then they can download the tool and start using it the advantage from my point of view is if any of the um, dosing changes from the manufacturers or any of the, lo- the the national guidance changes, I can update the the audit tool to reflect that, and I only need to update it and post it in one place. So I ask people to just check on Future NHS that the version they're using is still the current one, um, and there will be a notification that would would come round from Future NHS if there was a change, so that people know they need to to go on and, and download the latest version. Great. And sort of, is there any advice that you would give to other people sort of who are sort of considering developing new innovations and uh, things like that? Uh, well, the main thing is, is don't be discouraged, really. Um, you know, the, it, <clears throat> the first step is usually to find out if anyone else has done the work before, because you want to use somebody's somebody else's brain if you possibly can. And the other thing is to just draw in the local expertise of of people that have done either similar projects or might have ideas um, relating to your 
your project because people like to get involved in interesting developments. It makes uh, the richness of your work improved. And there's, as I mentioned previously, there's there's lots of local expertise, certainly in Cornwall. Uh, and another benefit is that, of course, you can do these these projects that use technology anywhere in the country now you know we're we're stuck at the end of cornwall Mm. but we've got a very dynamic primary care network team uh we've got great collaboration and um communication with other healthcare professionals in the county uh and there's no reason that you can't develop anything in the end of cornwall and obviously live in a fabulous place as well yeah, and this has you sort of have uh, it's award winning now, isn't it? Like you um, recently won an award for this. Yeah, so to be to be honest, the only reason we entered the awards in the first place is because um, it's the difference between being sort of reasonably known locally, uh, where people are interested in what you're doing and what you've got a uh, what you've developed, and being relatively invisible nationally, okay. um, because you know things like this don't tend to be developed in small groups in on the lizard peninsula they tend to be developed in major hospitals or big software firms Um, and so entering the award was really just meant to sort of raise awareness and it worked because you know i don't think nhs improvement and future nhs would have been particularly interested without that shortlisting and and afterwards winning the award which was of course you know lovely to win yeah and what exactly was the award it was the uh HSJ, Health Services Journal, mm-hmm. um, Patient Safety Awards for the uh, Improving Safety in Medicines Management category. And I actually remembered that without writing it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like you say, you touched on a few times, it does just go to show, I mean, you identify a problem in practice, which you as the, of the people working there are able to identify and then like find that solution. And then obviously it's, it's, it's a lovely thing and to be able to share that nationally isn't it and then hopefully other people can benefit from it exactly yes and it was when i realized that um emis and system one these two clinical systems account for 92 percent of uh you know gp systems in in england and that means eight thousand practices can use it that's what led the impetus really to try and and get it out there so that other people can use it i mean obviously my own practices in cornwall had benefited already mm. but that's a huge number and it's one of those things that will probably end up being the most you know more significant than all my other contributions to pharmacy yeah. such as they are in my entire career put together just because of the potential um you know number of people that could benefit from using it yeah, absolutely. So do you have um, any sort of final thoughts that you'd like to end on? Uh, well, my only my only sort of slight irritation, and this is getting a bit, little bit nerdy, I suppose, <laughs> is, the, is the fact that this is necessary at all. Mm. Um, you know, as I mentioned in the, the introduction, the GP clinical systems don't calculate uh, this measure of kidney function creatinine clearance automatically when a new blood test is filed. And it seems to me slightly ridiculous. We can programmers can adjust the mirrors of the James Webb telescope to within a nanometer from a million miles away. And yet the the software developers haven't developed a system that will look as to whether one of these patients is on one of these drugs. And if they are, calculate the creatinine clearance, save it to the record and make everyone's life so much easier. So, you know, really that's my challenge to them. If they did that, the whole of this project would be unnecessary and patients would be safer, frankly. 
Yeah. Why, why do you think that is then? Do you think it's the people who create the software then don't really recognise the issues? Or? I don't. I I honestly don't know. I don't know. And of course, you never get to talk to the the people that develop <laughs> the software. Mm. It's sort of a bit of a closed box, really. Yeah. Um, very, very difficult to sort of influence that group of people. Yeah. So if they happen to to listen, listen. to Kuno, <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, Kuno <laughs> podcast <laughs> for primary care, which I suggest is you know uh, is probably <laughs> optimism over. <laughs> yeah, perhaps not, uh, but we can hope. Okay. You never know. You never know. Indeed, um, indeed. Mm. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking time to uh, speak on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Bye. Bye. That's all today from Primary Care Spotlight. Thank you for listening and I look forward to you joining me again soon. For more information, you can visit our website www.kernerhealthcic.org.uk forward slash cornwall training hub. You can also follow us on Twitter at cornwall underscore th and on Facebook at cornwall training hub. To speak to the training hub team about how we can help your practice or career, please contact us at kernerhealthcic.workforce at nhs.net. If you have content ideas or would be interested in being interviewed for the podcast, please do get in touch. Bye for now.